our world is built on credit, which is essentially building a life on a mountain of debt. We go to school and accumulate school debt. We graduate and buy a car. Now we have a car loan to pay off. If our job doesn't support our lifestyle, we don't hesitate to build debt on our credit card. When the time comes, we look to buy a house and we go deeper in the hole with a mortgage. And if you're like most Americans, you're probably in debt due to medical costs. While there are ways out of debt, there is one debt that St. Paul says is acceptable. In fact, it's the one debt we need in order to walk the way. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. Wisdom. The reading is from Paul's letter to the Romans. Let us be attentive. Don't owe anything to anyone except the debt of mutual love. If you love your neighbor, you see, you have fulfilled the law. Commandments like don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't steal, don't covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to its neighbor, so love is the fulfillment of the law. This is all the more important because you know what time it is. The hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. Our salvation, you see, is nearer now than it was when we first came to faith. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let's put off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let's behave appropriately, as in the daytime, not in wild parties and drunkenness, not in orgies and shameless immorality, not in bad temper and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and don't make any allowance for the flesh and its lusts. Welcome someone who is weak in faith, but not in order to have disputes on difficult points. One person believes it is all right to eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. The one who eats should not despise the one who does not, and the one who does not should not condemn the one who does, because God has welcomed them. Who do you think you are to judge someone else's servants? They stand or fall before their own master, and stand they will, because the master can make them stand. That was Romans 13, 8 through 9, 4, which is the reading for the Sunday of Forgiveness in the Orthodox Church. Though I started with verse 8, whereas the lectionary reading begins at verse 11. I wanted to start a few verses early because I think these verses are key to understanding forgiveness and our salvation. So let's take a look at them. Paul begins by speaking about debt. He says, Don't owe anything to anyone. 
so much for student loans and mortgages. However, there is one exception, and that is a debt of mutual love. Typically, as Christians, we don't like to think about the Old Testament law. We typically see this as archaic and outdated. The law had its use, but now, for us as Christians, the gospel has taken over and the law has disappeared. Or so we like to tell ourselves. But this isn't true. Jesus says in Matthew that not a single iota, the smallest letter of the Greek alphabet, will pass away. And the way to think about this is the way Paul talks about it in our passage. If we love our neighbor, then we are fulfilling the law. So the law doesn't pass away. It's fulfilled in our debt of mutual love to one another. Think about it. If we are loving our neighbor, then we aren't sleeping around. We aren't shooting them in the head. We aren't sneaking into the garage at night to take their nice hedge clippers. Nor are we planning on ways of keeping up with the Joneses. These things are probably the minimal way of loving our neighbor. But it also means we aren't committing adultery, murder, theft, or behaving jealously. In this sense, then, we are fulfilling the law. But before we start focusing too much on the minimum that we can do, don't forget what Christ does in the Sermon on the Mount. He intensifies the commandments. He doesn't loosen them. It's no longer not enough just to not murder someone. Now it's a sin to even be angry with someone. And then after intensifying the law, Jesus tells us we must be perfect by giving alms, praying, and fasting, all of which must be done in secret. So much for walking around with prayer ropes on our wrists. Paul goes on then in a similar vein to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, Let's behave appropriately as in the daytime, not in wild parties and drunkenness, not in orgies and shameless immorality, not in bad temper and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and don't make any allowance for the flesh and its lusts. In other words, let's love our neighbors. And it's very clear that loving our neighbors isn't just a mental exercise. Look at so-and-so. I feel kindly towards them in my heart. No, it's more than that. It's behaving in such a way that our love is manifested. This is why Paul goes on to say, the one who eats should not despise the one who does not. And the one who does not should not condemn the one who does, because God has welcomed them. In other words, it's how we treat others. Paul is encouraging us to love in such a way that the community welcomes everyone, even if they have different opinions and different practices than you. But love is often easier said than done. So now, exactly how do we put Paul's words into action in real life? We aren't dealing with people who eat meat, sacrifice to idols anymore. At least I don't think Cub Foods is sacrificing their meat before they sell it to me. So what does loving proactively look like? Well, it's going to vary context to context. You, my listener, will have to be creative to see what loving looks like where you're at and in your situation. 
However, Gary Chapman might be a bit of a help here. He wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. There, he suggests that people like to feel loved in five different ways. Let's take a look at each one. The first one is words of affirmation. Here Chapman says people feel most loved when they are complimented. If you have a significant other, it may be words of encouragement, a hearty well done, or a simple I love you each morning. If you're in a community, perhaps it's supporting the leaders of your community. Or perhaps it's holding back from gossiping and not saying bad things about others behind their back. The second love language is quality time. This means spending time with the person you want to show love to. But note that it isn't just sitting in the same room while you each do your own thing. It has to be quality time together. If you want to take this out of the couple category and broaden it a bit, it may mean supporting the homeless by spending time with them, not just donating money to a charity. If there's refugees in your community, it means getting to know them, learn their stories by speaking with them. The third love language is physical touch. For spouses, this is the kisses, the hugs, the massages, the hand-holding. But what might this look like outside of an intimate relationship? Perhaps this is wrapping a homeless person in a blanket. Perhaps it's a high-five at a baseball game. Perhaps it's taking an elderly's arm to help them cross a busy intersection. Humans are social animals, and for some, touch in an appropriate way makes them feel most loved. The fourth love language is acts of service. For a married couple, this might mean that one spouse comes home to find the carpet vacuumed, or dinner is made, or the dishes are done. In a community, it may mean helping to mow the church's grass, or fixing that leaky faucet in the public kitchen, or simply helping out in the altar when the priest doesn't have anyone there to help him. This is probably an easy one to come up with a lot of ideas for. And finally, the fifth and last love language is receiving gifts. This is giving something special to someone to show them that you love them. This is the Knitted Caps fundraiser at Christmas time for the homeless shelter. And this is also an easy one to come up with ideas for. For Paul, love is the completion of the law. As Christians, we read this specific passage on Forgiveness Sunday because we're about to enter into Great Lent. Obviously, this is a time of fasting for Orthodox Christians, and this passage reminds us that we shouldn't judge others. Specifically, we shouldn't pay attention to what they put on their dinner plate. It doesn't matter. True fasting, if we are to understand the larger point of this passage, is to learn how to love our neighbor. God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I also want to add a side note here. I firmly believe that loving our neighbor also means learning to love ourselves. We live in a world where it's easy to take a look in the mirror and hate something about ourselves, the way we look, our weight, something we've done, or we feel guilty about something that's happened to us. Learning to love our neighbor has to begin with learning to love ourselves. And that begins with forgiveness, forgiveness of ourselves. This is hard, but it's the first step in becoming confident, not prideful, but confident in who we are.
The Church extends God's forgiveness to us and through the mystery of confession allows us to experience God's forgiveness. Through this, we can start to forgive and love ourselves. And as we do this, we can move beyond ourselves to learn to love others and fulfill the law. As Paul said, we should welcome someone who is weak in faith because God has welcomed them. Until next time, God bless you.